the customer is so much more knowledgeable and is coming to us with so much more information that we can no longer just hand a, a solutions engineer a script mm-hmm. and say, follow these 10 steps and you'll sell a car because that doesn't work anymore. It's a much more complex. They need to be able to handle so much more of the customer's needs and, and provide so many more solutions in terms of um, the, you know, and the experience. Are you providing that kind of experience that makes them go talk about us on social media? Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have an amazing guest. I'm so excited to talk to this guest. We had to reschedule a couple times, but that's okay, because it's so worth it, because I get to spend time with the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Miss Fleming Ford. How are you today? Hey, Jason. So excited (laughs) to be on Strategy with Jason. I always learn more on this podcast than I think I bring to your audience. But I don't think that's true. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Hey, man, we got some cool topics. Like I've just, you know, this. I I was looking at my calendar, and uh, you know, my kids have access to my calendar, which is always kind of fun thing because they ask me questions, right? And they're like, Dad, you know, because Fleming, it's 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 a unique name, right? So they're like, Who is this? Like, I don't. Is that a is that a first name? Is that a last name? Like, and they ask questions, and I'm like, oh, let me tell you, I'm so excited about this meeting I'm having this week, right? So we, we, me and my kids talked about yeah. you a little we bit. We have more conversations about my name, and I started out in sales, and most of every sales call was, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name again? Yeah. So well, I think um, there might be probably some benefits behind it because it's not one I'm going to forget, right? <laughs> Which is, is good and bad, yeah, but it, it, it does follow me. But in, I think why I was so successful in sales and automotive is everyone thought I was a dealership. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So when I would call back in the day when you called GMs and yes. they had, you know, their re- receptionist would kind of cut you off. I bet this is Fleming Ford. They're like, I'll put you through because they thought I was doing a dealer trade. What a hack, man. I love it. That is so, <laughs> so awesome. For all of you, yeah. I didn't think Change about that. Name, you uh, pick pick a brand. Yeah. My my mind has just been blown, but that's absolutely awesome. Well, you know what? It's actually a good segue. You know, I love kicking off our podcast with little origin stories. Um, and before we get into our topics, we've got some super cool topics we're gonna get into. So let's kick it off with a little origin story of Fleming, how you got into the automotive industry. So Jason, I actually have always been an advocate for human resources, people strategies, workforce strategies, anything human capital, Mm -hmm. Um, started off selling it and was selling, you know, with a consulting group, anything to help with retention. And of course, who has one of the biggest retention problems, but automotive Mm -hmm. and um, ended up at an NADA when I was really young. And of course, I think our booth was hire right or, you know, avoid bad hires. And so we were pretty bombarded with GMs going, how do you do that? So started off in behavioral science Um, that led me to, okay, we're hiring right at the dealership, but we basically aren't treating them right. And so then really diving into employee engagement, how do we keep the people? How do we teach the leaders to be more effective at being, you know, building teams people want to be part of. So been doing it quite a while. And, um, just, I think automotive is fascinating just because of the complexity of the people and Mm -hmm. the, um, energy of the people. So I've always just 
it's always been kind of a science to me to dive in and, and unpack how we can help the dealership. You know what? I'm with you. I love the automotive industry. You know, I've called it many times the island of misfit toys. Um, <laughs> but it, that, that's the challenge. We fit right in, Jason. We do. You know, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, um, you can get into this industry like, like, like the path to get in. Uh, it can come from many, 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 many different directions. I mean, I've I've worked with people that have had MBAs. I've worked with people that sold pot in school and you know dropped uh-huh. out, and became car salesmen who now own dealerships. You know, like I mean, there's just it's fast. It's fascinating. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's 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 what kind of creates this what is this this chaos challenge. It's always it's there's always enough kind of chaos to it that generates this challenge that we I, I feel like people like us we just we want to we, we love and we lean into you know and um, because you know for for us and this is a perfect segue into into our first conversation you know we both do a lot of consulting we work with a lot of different dealerships so we get to see a lot of different individuals and their perspective on leadership there's a lot of different types of leaderships out there and and I love the word leadership I really do because for me it's it, it's it's a it's a title that you earn not one that you're given. You know, in our industry, we're very good about giving titles. You're a general manager. You're a GSM. You're a, G- you're a general sales manager. You're an SM. An SM manager. Like we love our acronyms, right? Four letter words and three letter acronyms. That's what we love. Um, but but the, the word leadership cannot be given. It has to be earned. And I know you got a lot of thoughts um, and opinions on this. So let's kick that off. How do you feel like we earn the title of leadership? Well, and. To your point, I think leadership is a journey. So, Mm -hmm. you know, having been a leader for large groups and small groups and worked with a ton of leaders and, and, you know, I probably the most fun thing I get to do is one-on-one coaching with GMs. And it is a constant journey because as you just talked about the complexity of people that are on our teams and throw in pandemic, throw in social, you know, unrest and civil unrest and politics and all the different generations even if you were a great leader five years ago, probably what worked doesn't work now. (laughs) So it's a skill set we have to keep growing and developing. And and as you said, just because you have the title doesn't mean you're a leader. You know, that's just positional. And you have the ability to boss people around, but they're not following you. Well, you know what? And I love this. I love that you bring that up because, you know, our industry does a good job of managing. It's all about (laughs) management. We're just going to, we're, we're going to manage particular. tasks. We're yeah. going to manage the process. We're going to manage our tech. We're going to manage our people. Yeah. You know, like we're just going to manage the crap out of this to profitability. <laughs> but, 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 you know, both of us have been in hundreds, if not thousands of dealerships that we've probably visited. And there is some very, very noticeable difference between uh, businesses that are being managed versus businesses that are being led um, what are some of the differences that you've seen over the years? Well, and I think by nature of who rises up in a dealership, it's always been the hardest worker, right? The hardest mm-hmm. producer. There's a problem with managing though, because if you're using management to manage tasks, manage operations, um, manage the people, manage the numbers, um, you run out of capacity. So today's general manager is not just in charge of the operations any longer. Now they're in charge of fixed. Now they're in charge of advertising and you know attribution and SEO. Now they're in charge of all their brand and their community and developing their people and growing their people and all their relationships with the G- um, OEMs. I mean, so 
that's a pretty big job. And if you're managing and not leading, I think it's exhausting. So I have some very, very successful GMs who are frankly just burnt out and exhausted and don't know how to go to the next level because they can't take on anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's where leadership comes into play compared to managing. And, and, you know, when I think of, you know, managing a team through leadership, you know, I, I, I you know, it's like to be a leader, you must lead by example. That, that one, mm. that, that, that seems to be the saying that sticks in my head the most. It's like, okay, people do what people do see, right? Yeah. You know, and I, I love the GMs are like, <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, take a little nap back here and uh, you guys work harder. <laughs> so yes. I'm going to go golfing. Like, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's actually a good you know, a good thing to point out. Um, leadership is, uh, it's actually quite quiet. Oh, real yeah. leaders are not, you, you know what I mean? Like, real leaders actually are great listeners. Mm -hmm. And, and I love that you said that Jason, because I think there's this image, especially with when GMs get into their role, we have this image of the superhero GM who, yes runs around and energizes an energizer bunny and is, you know, involved with every single thing and, and won't let go of things. And that is the opposite of quiet. It's very loud and it takes the energy out of, I think the GM, because if you can get to a place where you're like, tell me about that, what would you do, Jason? Um, you know, if you were in my shoes, what would you do? If you start to empower your people with questions and listening to what they're going through, asking their opinions, building that connection, that's when people really, they elevate themselves and you get people who are working for you to go to the next level and it takes things off a of GM's plate. Yes. You know what? I, I, hundred percent, you know, I've, I've done a little over 500 podcast, um, which is, is giving me just an amazing, yeah, it's a lot of podcasts. It's a lot of podcasts. Um, but, 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 but I've had the opportunity to, to, to have some amazing conversations with, with what I consider to be some true leaders in our industry. And, and I tell you, I, I was, I like identifying patterns. Maybe as, even as a kid, I liked, I put blocks together. It was always in patterns. I liked patterns yeah. and that is definitely one pattern that I find true leaders are very intimate with their team's whys. Like they know their whys. They know why that person does this the way they do it, right? They know that that person is saving for a college education for their kids. They know that one is trying to get out of their mom's basement and purchase their first home. They know that one is getting married in six months and the reason that they're trying to hit these financial goals, like they know what their why. They're fundamental, like why they show up in the morning, why they hustle, why they push the hard they do. And they seem to take so a little bit of ownership of that and and really kind of promote and develop and manage off of their why, not necessarily the company's why. Does that make sense? Have you seen the same? Oh, I think if you don't understand their why, then they just are a cog in your wheel. And when they're a cog in your wheel, they're just doing the very minimal um, which is called, you know, disengagement when mm -hmm. employees just come in, do the minimal amount enough to float by enough to not get fired, but they're not really bought in because you're not bought into them and why they're there. So when you can connect to their why, then you really get into their intrinsic motivators without having it to be like, you know, well, I'm paying you, so you better do what I say. Um, it's connecting their why to your why. That's a very big success. I actually have a sheet, Jason, um, we'll have to put it um, in the show notes, but it's a, um, 
worksheet that I have that's Mm -hmm. know their why. And it's about, you know, 20, 35 questions just to kind of prompt conversations because sometimes that's a harder thing to learn more about the other person that's on their team. And a lot of leaders are like, I'm too busy. I'm too busy on time for that. I'm like, you don't have time not to do this. Exactly. Um, but something I recommend, you know, is when I'm working with them is like do a group conversation. So if you're the GM, pull a technician, pull the receptionist, pull a sales rep, start breaking down those silos, have breakfast with a GM in the morning, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they get to just talk. It's not the GM talking. It's him asking questions, her asking questions, finding out the why so that they can better make a better culture and, and you know, start tailoring towards what their people need and want. And, and I think as a leader, when we become more intimate around their why, uh, there's something that can, there's a byproduct that can be built off that, which is a perfect segue into our next topic, which then I see this this infamous unicorn that we call culture. Ooh. <laughs> but it doesn't always kind of seem like, we, we look, we love our buzzwords in our industry. I mean, culture seems yeah. to be one that's always kind of being a buzzword. And it's kind of this, it's kind of this always kind of slightly out of reach. This this unicorn that I need to try to kind of work towards, but it, I, I think in with the real leaders, culture is a byproduct of them becoming intimate with their why and leading their company through whys. Um, but I love to kind of get your take on how we can we generate, we maintain, and we continue to develop the culture. Well, in culture, everyone has one. Yes. The question is, is it helping you? reach your goals, attain your objectives, or is it blocking you? Good point. Um, and culture can either be by default or by design. And, you know, leaving it up to the people to create is a very risky endeavor. So, um, you know, you really have to have some intention. You have to have, you know, there's a lot of foundational elements that need to go into what does your culture look like? Some of it's going to happen naturally, but some of it we do have to design it and direct it and kind of shine the light on it. And that takes a ton of work. You know, if I go in and like, you know, renovating a culture, I'm going to look at what's working and where do we want to go? What do we want this to look like? And then, you know, so many, it's, as you said, it is kind of like that, you know, kind of tagline in the industry. People are like, I want to fix my culture. And I'm like, do you really? Because that's not something I'm going to do in a month. Yes, exactly. Because it's it's a long game. And I was just talking, do you know Sherry Schultz? Um, she's the head of HR at Walzer. Mm-hmm. And she said, do you want to play rugby or do you want to play chess? And I just think <laughs> that's a great way. Like you can push culture, what you think, you know, you can run around talking about it. You can put it on the wall. But chess is, is a, the long game and it's very thoughtful and it's very intelligent. And, you know, there's going to be some rugby in there, but we all enjoy a, a good push. But this is a very well-designed type of endeavor to go down. And it takes a lot of work, which is why I think a lot of times, as you said, people are like, it's over there. Like, I don't want to quite touch it because a lot of it's uncovering some things that maybe we don't all want to face or deal with. It, no, you're you're 100 right. You know, it's um, long game, and 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 I've seen that okay. I've seen that as a pattern, you know, uh, with with many leaders and and dealerships that do maintain a strong culture is that, um, you know, they're 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 playing for that long game. You know, I I tell a lot of people, you know, because they ask me like, what is it like owning a dealership, Jason? And I was like, like, <laughs> think of it like a marathon that never ends, right? <laughs> like, right, it, right. There's no finish line, by the way. No, and and, and there. 
every once in a while you might see the mirage of a finish line, but it is just simply that it is a mirage. But to but but to be able to maintain, you know, um, uh, running of a marathon, you have to find yourself a pace. Yes. And and I think I think that's where we kind of get it's where we get discouraged around building culture, because like we we feel like we can't maintain that type of pace. But you know, like if I, I've never run a marathon, by the way, but I've talked to people that have run marathons, and <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. you know, and, and, it, and it's all about a buildup. Like you yes. run one marathon, you get comfortable at a pace, and then you push yourself a little harder, and you find another pace you're comfortable at, and then so on and so on and so on, and and that's I think the way you ultimately kind of end up building a culture is by playing it that way. Do I, your thoughts? And I think that's when, when people say to me, do you really, you know, they want to change culture. I'm like, do you really? Yes, because exactly. it is a marathon and it's a little bit every day. Um, you know, it's the people's mindsets, how to change, how we do things around here has to change, which is a lot of communication. It's a lot of um, accountability. It's a lot of um, setting standards of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times it's like, we go, all right, we're going to be very customer focused. One of our values is customers are number one. What does that mean? Because that exactly. means different things to different people. It's kind of like if I say, let's get a sandwich, you know, are you talking like, you know, a, a hoagie or a po'boy or a grilled cheese? So you have to really design the standards and expectations of behaviors. And then you have to really recognize and reward them when you see them. And that's why it really takes some time defining who am I, what's my value proposition. You have to hire to it. Then you have to manage to it. Then you have to reward to it. And then you have to relook at it all the time. And then your customers need to be, you know, what's the value proposition? Why are you going to come work for me? Why are you going to buy from me? That's all about culture. And we can't really reach our strategy and get off that, you know, kind of constant wheel without really having a whole team that understands what we stand for, what you expect, what your vision is, what you believe in, so that we're all going in the same direction. Well, and, and that's and why culture is so important. 100%. To, especially with what's happening in automotive, with how fast it's going. Well, and just um, things we, changing know, so quick. It's hard. It's hard. Well, and, and look, <laughs> and I love the fact that you brought up team, right? Because the team is ultimately what generates you know, or executes on the culture, the direction of the culture, yeah, right? I, I get to see a GM run a, run a store by himself. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. I know he wants to, you know, she wants to, but yeah. And, and, and what are the topics that- all these dumb people, my job would be awesome, yeah. Well, when I think of a team, you know, I think of, I like sports, uh, particularly I like baseball. And I think maybe the reason for this is because it's, it's, it's slow enough where you can actually see the strategy get played out in real time. Right. True. You can see, you know, why you have that type of pitcher on the mound. You can see where the, you know, infield or outfield will adjust their position, you know, based on the batter that's coming up to play. Um, like you just see this phenomenal, but, but to, to be able to achieve that, man, you have to have some seriously diverse team. All right. With all many, 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 many different talents. And, you know, I think, which is a perfect segue kind of into our next topic, because we're going to talk about DEI, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I will say that, you know, the dealerships I've had the opportunity to interview with, some of the most successful ones have had very diverse teams that bring many different um, talents and attributes to the team that just makes it just a, a much better all around team. And, and I know this is a big topic for you. So I'd love to kind of get your take uh, just as an industry, you know, how do we maintain this? How do we how do we get to this place where we can achieve it? I guess execution is the key, right? <laughs> 
Yeah. And I think with a lot of intention, because, you know, mm. there are some dealerships that are making huge strides in DE&I and, you know, diversity is coming. Like the population of America, um, you know, right now in K through 12, it's minority. It, it's already over 50 percent is the minority representation. Mm-hmm. So the talent pool um, is drastically changing and yes, definitely for the better. But let's face it, we are in a very white male dominated industry. And, you know, having grown up in it and fought my way through, um, you know, it's like, I even had some biases. I was like, you know, toughen up buttercup if it's not for you. And, and that's really fair. Um, we do need a lot of different opinions. We need a lot of different, um, you know, thoughts and ideas and experiences. Um, diversity even means to me, not just, you know, female or um, minority representation, diversity from other industries. Like the yes. fact that most everybody's grown up in this industry, like we're not, we're getting behind other industries because we're not being able to bring leadership in from other industries. Um, even other you know, ages. It, I mean, just think of the yeah. age groups, right? Yeah. Well, even like, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely coming. And, you know, and I've worked in bringing women into automotive for probably, gosh, over 10 or 15 years. Um, I was with a Toyota program and it was, you know, making the dealership women friendly mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, really working with salespeople to be able to include females in the conversation, which is still, you know, hysterically enough, a struggle. Um, but it's, it's, I always say, Think about if you were a white male who went to work at Victoria's Secret Mm -hmm. and how uncomfortable it would feel to have all female colleagues, you know, female leadership (laughs) and female customers. um, And everybody's like, why are you here? And even if they're nice and like, hey, Jason, you know, we're so glad you're here. You know, it's cool to have a guy on the team. But then, Jason, you start outselling people, maybe. And then all the other ones, you know, kind of group up and they're like, well, this isn't going to work out. You know, (laughs) so it's the inclusivity of culture. It's the are we really making this a place people feel comfortable, where they have friends, where they have connections, where they psychologically feel safe. Um, where they feel like there's opportunity to grow. Um, yes. Is there female leaders I can go to and be mentored by? So a lot of it is we don't have the right talent and ta- bench strength, really, um, to really go diverse. So we really have to get really intentional and put some programs in place. Well, and you know what I like about this is because, you know, um, this fits 100% within every dealership school out there. You know, we love to talk about the word market share. We talk about it very, very regularly. And for me, whenever I start talking about market share, well, it's just, to me, I go immediately to diversity. Like, how? Hey. Do you represent your market? Exactly. And are there places within your market that you are not diverse in, all right, that you need to be intentional? If I walk in your store, do I feel uncomfortable? 100%. I love the fact that you- Do I see myself in your store? Do I see, like, oh, I feel, because, I mean, we're fighting that already, you know, image brand of, of not being trustworthy. Yes. So they're coming in with walls, but if I come in and I see myself, my walls start to go down. So mm-hmm. representing your community, if you don't look like your community, the it's going to be harder to sell to that customer. Well, and I think that's the, the point is that you're selling to the customer. 
the customer, most, all right? Yes. You're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not doing yeah. it for yourself, all yeah. right? You, you Maybe do right, not, right now with inventory shortage, but oh, <laughs> let's say in the future when we actually have to. But, but but this is the time again. that you do yeah. need to have those conversations, right? right? You know, because even with inventory shortages out there, I know dealerships that are operating very well. They're they're putting many, many pre-orders in. They're creating yes. and banking, you know, big opportunities, you know, for the future. For you the know, future. They're, they're, they're taking, you know, because maybe there is a little extra time. You know, the deals are a little bit slower. They're a little longer, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're taking the time to get to know their customers a little better and taking that analytics and putting it back into it. See, you know, are we best serving our customers, you know? But yeah. this is kind of a good segue into our next topic because the next topic is about talent shortage. Not inventory shortage. You hear that, people? This is the first time on an automotive podcast in the last six months. You're not going to hear anything about mean, yeah. inventory shortage. Like, well, you know, it's, it's been the hottest. It's everything. We've been talking the about next that, big like, problem you're going to be facing or facing currently. Yes. Well, you know, what? I put I put a, a post out recently where um, I, uh, I I said that we don't no longer need salespeople. What we need is we need solution engineers. All right. I saw that. I but, loved that. Solution engineers. Well, that's what it is right now because look, there's yeah. not inventory. I need someone to, you know, if I'm a customer, I need someone to generate a solution. All right. For me, you know, if it's like, it, it's too easy for us to say, nope, we don't have it in stock. Right. Well, I, but I, I might ask past the inventory, Jason. I yes. think at the end of the day, you're trying to help me with the problem. Yes. Which is, I don't quite know what car is right for me and which one I can afford and stop selling me and start helping me with my problem. And then you are a solution engineer. So help I mean, me, I think help me find a solution. And right. I think about this and, you know, like when I first got into the car business, you know, the, this whole internet thing was just beginning like, Oh, that, oh, that internet thing, you know, like, I mean, it was still like, it'll never take off. You know, I'm my, I mean, I'm serious. I remember being in a meeting with my dealership, but we're never going to have a website. If someone's going to learn about too. our cars, they're going to come to right. our dealership. You know, we're not going to put, Cars out there with price, like crazy, right? Oh yeah, no um, pricing on the internet, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I think we have to kind of, for us to say there's a talent shortage, I think we have to first define what is the new talent that is required to be that next generation of quote unquote salespeople, which I still don't necessarily think is the right word to use as much as a solution engineer, which by right. the way is a term that I did not make up. I learned it from yeah, another very, that, no, so I, I wish I did. <laughs> no, no, I learned I learned that from a much smarter person than me. Um, but but it, may, but it makes a whole lot of sense, but I'd love to kind of get your thing. Yes, there's a talent shortage, but what should the talent look like right now? No, and I think that's a great question because the customer is so much more knowledgeable and is coming to us with so much more information that we can no longer just hand a, a solutions engineer a script mm -hmm. and say, follow these 10 steps and you'll sell a car because that doesn't work anymore. It's a much more complex. They need to be able to handle so much more of the customer's needs and, and provide so many more solutions in terms of um, the, you know, and the experience, are you providing that kind of experience that makes them go talk about us on social media, or is it going to provide an experience that's going to cause, you know, cancel culture and they blow up in your community with going viral about a bad experience at your store. That is putting people out on the floor, your service advisors, your technicians, anybody who's interacting with customers. Now mm -hmm. we've got to spend a lot more time investing in their skills and in our customer experience training in our, um, you know, how do we connect and, and 
build relationships with the people in our community. It's a completely different, you know, mindset than just, you know, going for the jugular and the kill every time. Um, and, and again, that's back to internet and social media. We can't hide behind pretty advertisements anymore. The, the authenticity has to be there. Yes. And that's going to be a completely different person, different leaders, different training. Um, I think we have to really rethink the whole model. Well, we, we do. It, the product is no longer the primary purchase. You know, it is, it is, it is who's going to solve my problem, the product should be the solution, but the person, you know, engineering and designing that solution is the person that's ultimately going to generate the experience. And, um, and it's a different type. I, I think it's a whole another set of skills um, that I, I actually think this next generation is actually very well equipped to handle, by the way. So, so it's like, you know, we always... We love in our industry to always talk about the next generation. Oh, <laughs> next generations, man. There's no, there's, there's, they, they don't uh, have any have um, no idea. work ethic. Yeah. They don't, they, they need to be touchy feely and pat on the back. You know, it's not sucking up every cup, check it out they the door. They want me to care about them. <laughs> yeah, they want me to care about them. You know, it's not <laughs> enough. Sad. I just pay them. A, I just, I, you know, what happened to the days where I just give someone a paycheck and they're, they're good. Exactly. Now I got to actually like, you know, but, 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 but no, I mean, I, I, I think what it is, is you're looking at the next generation is coming up is where they're very much so problem solvers. I mean, look at the video games they play and look at their connection to technology. You know, it is just everything, you know, was just, there's a problem. I got to solve it. Let me do it quickly and effectively. And, and I think that's what we're seeing in the customers. The customers are looking for us to solve a problem faster and faster and faster it, it's see people seem to think that they want a faster transaction i don't think it's a faster transaction they're looking for i think they're looking for someone just to solve the problem faster you know and maybe well, and i also want to enjoy it yes how enjoy about like it. this is like a, an amazing exciting time i'd love to enjoy this purchase instead of feeling threatened or thrown in the box or you know <laughs> all the tricks of the trade <laughs> This, we have to keep really be laser focused on how do we make this an enjoyable experience? Yes, efficient, um, but also really something that they go out, you know, I would love to not be replaced by, you know, buying cars online. We need to make this such an amazing experience, which means different leadership, different training, different culture, different, different expectations. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I love the young people coming in because they're saying, why are you doing it that way? And stop, you know, I think the most expensive line in automotive is, well, that's how we do it around here. Mm -hmm. And let's stop saying we tried that before we tried. Let's let, you know, let's empower. Let's how about believe that people have their best intention is to do a good job for us. How about believe in the people and they will rise up to what we believe and asking them to look at how we're doing things and bring their kind of more efficient new way model um, and let's try things because, you know, the person who figures out how to bring Gen Z, um, the digital natives into the workforce and make them love working in automotive is going to skyrocket past their competition. Well, it's about experience. We have an entire generation that values experience above anything almost. Um, so the, the, they are definitely the right people to employ, to hire that. But it, like I said, the talent's so much different now. We're not looking mm -hmm. for, for someone to 
to sell something. Look, at the end of the day, no one actually wants to be sold. Okay, <laughs> you know, you know, and then and then we went through a whole, you know, a series of relationship selling, which I love that we've done, that we did that. Now, even though though. I don't think people value much the relationship anymore as they used to, which I, which, which is which is fine. They're just saying, look, like I don't need to have a relationship with you to make this size of purchase. All right, what I do need to feel is I need to feel connected and engaged with you. All right, you know, connection and engagement generates an experience for me. I, I want to feel like you know me. You know, like I want to feel like I'm pulling up to the hotel and they, and they come out and they go, "Hello, Mr. Harris." me you know like i want to be known i want to be felt so look i i think when we're looking at talent and we're looking at talent shortage is like is it is there a shortage of talent based on what we needed for the last decade or is it time to switch it and say look there's new talent there is a pool out there but we have to be willing to focus on the experience uh, more than anything well and i think we should i mean there's so many things to dive in there i mean we have to really relook at who we're hiring yes. the hiring process who we're what and, and do you know what you're looking for before you begin i mean gone are the days of hire 10 people and hope one works out the skill set is going to take longer to develop so you really have to spend more time hiring the right person making sure you're you're going to invest now more money into these people and i need you to work on engagement and people strategies and retention strategies so that it's you're not okay with high turnover because we need to keep the skill because it's hard you know just like any customer it's more expensive to go get a new customer than it is to keep a customer right so exactly. same thing with employees and to know that they're going to need better skills, they're going to rep, need to represent us, our brand, our culture, that's going to take some time. So you better also be spending time on how am I going to keep them, keep them engaged, keep them growing. So I'm not constantly in this, you know, turnover cycle. Otherwise, we won't have the skill set. And in, in being able to keep these people is going to be critical. It's like kind of mission critical um, for future proofing our, our teams. And a lot of that has to do with development. Like people want to feel like they're Everything being developed through, you know, uh, th through through their experience as an employee. You know, yeah. it's no one just wants a job anymore, right? They want an experience. Yeah, they want to have purpose. I think that I I was just reading why people are like, what's the big leave now? Um, and it, it is being disrespected, mm -hmm. um, having an abusive manager, um, having no purpose, no real why. And, you know, and actually inclusivity, especially as all, with everything in the Absolutely. news, not feeling like I can be my authentic self, not feeling like I really belong, um, which can kind of come down to simply, do they have a friend? Um, it, it, Jason, it's almost like if, if, you know, not that you want to, or, but if you want a divorce, but you love your group of friends that mm -hmm. you're your couple hangs out with, you may not go for that divorce because you're, you don't want to give up all the friends. So I might put up with a jerk boss if I work with a bunch of people that I really like and I connect with, and we have similar goals and values and, you know, commitments to each other. So that people side, we've got to put more um, time and effort into going forward than we ever have before. That, look, we, we've, we've said this many times in our industry, we are a people process and technology um, industry. And um, I think the people have to come first and there's a large emphasis on that. And some of the best operating dealerships out there are doing They're this. Amazing. That's what I'm saying. Like, we're not saying that not like, as it's an industry inspiring. as a whole, we have some 
room yeah. to continue to grow and move. But there are some amazing operators oh, out yeah. there. They like right knock now my socks off. That they're just doing amazing stuff like this. Like I know we're towards the tail end of our conversation today, but um, I like this topic that we have a talent shortage. I know we went a little bit farther down this rabbit hole, but I love doing I, I, I love doing that. You know, um, but I'll, I'll I'll finish off kind of with one question um, for for anybody out there that may be thinking of getting into the automotive industry. Um, what advice would you share with them? Well, first, I would encourage it because I've, it changes lives. The opportunity, the growth, um, the connections, um, the support of this industry is, is just kind of above all else. Um, but I would say make sure you're finding the right culture that has a place where you can grow and that believes in their people as their kind of primary asset, um, you know, because it's just as important to not only pick an industry, but to pick the right leader and dealership to go put your efforts into um, because, you know, this, this, this is going to be an exciting time and it's going to be changing. And I think there's going to be huge opportunities for growth. So um, make sure you're going someplace that's going to kind of help you reach your potential. You know, I'm 100% with you, you know, take, take your time, you know, um, as great time be, to take your time. Yeah. As much as be prepared for the interview, you know, also make sure that you're interviewing that business as well. And that it fits within, you know, because like, if it's not a match, it's not a match, you know, it just, doesn't, it just doesn't necessarily work. I love that. It's great advice. Thanks. Thank you, yeah. Fleming. Hey, um, for everybody out there that's watching and are listening right now and would love to connect with you and follow along with your journey, what's the best way to do so? Um, you know, happy to reach out and talk with anybody. My email is Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G, at cultureignited.com. Or you can reach out um, to connect with me on LinkedIn, and it's Fleming Ford on LinkedIn. So um, would, you know, be happy to talk with anybody and uh, help anybody out. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to jam, jam with me today. This has been Always. so much fun. You have yourself an amazing day. Thanks, Jason. Always good to jam with you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.